but because I think that the lunchtime together is equal or more important. Um, not just because the food is good, but because I think we some time we actually get to know each other. But there's something I've been thinking about for a while that I want to share with us all. I mean, we go through the year, we've been preaching through these different books of the Bible, and I'll just give you the recap just because we've gone through some pretty good distance. I mean, we started off this year, we preached through Exodus, then the book of Ephesians, and then we did a little short break on uh, with 1 Corinthians, a couple chapters of that. Then we stole the stories of Elijah and Elisha from First and Second Kings, and then we just finished going through the very long this fall, the Gospel of Mark, and that's a really long journey. And it was really cool for me and like Kevin, we spent a lot of time, you know, reading and studying and thinking through these things, seeing how this pattern starts to show up. We have, you know, God delivering the Israelites from slavery and then jumping to Ephesians, which is a New Testament book talking about how to be the, the body of Christ, how to live out, the, you know, following him in this fallen world that we live in and to stand against the enemy. And then we looked at 1 Corinthians just really quick about the gifts and the need for the body to be together. And Elijah and Elisha living this this life against the grain of the society they find themselves in, calling out idolatry and all these kinds of things, and God moving powerfully in their lives, and then ending with the Gospel of Mark, which was Jesus' final arrival, all the way up to when Jesus is transfigured on the, on the mountain, and, and Moses from Exodus, and then Elijah, and Elijah come back and talk with him, and it's kind of been a cool journey to see all of that. But we're going to take a little break during Christmas to just focus on kind of a subject um, I'm going to be speaking this week. Pastor Kevin's going to speak next week. And it's about this. The words we finally came to was noticing Jesus. And it might seem like, well, that seems like a duh. But my point is, I think we don't often, okay? And I'll get into that. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of what was happening. We're going to focus mo mostly in Luke 1 and how these people are encountering Jesus coming, Right? And we can kind of imagine ourselves there. We always, like, stories like this, you know so well that you go, well, I know what happened, so it seems like I would have been down with it when it was going on. But if you can take a second and stop and go, what if my friend said that to me? How would I have responded? You might find, like, well, I don't know if I would have believed him. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's honesty that would be helpful with this because I think it's important because God still acts in our lives in very similar ways. So when Jesus came, we're looking at, we just read the, these scriptures. I'll reference them again. Jesus being born. That's what Christmas is all about, you know, and the season of Advent leading up to that is, lo is looking to Jesus coming and foretelling his second coming. But Israel was in a dark time. The book, the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi, and there's this kind of, it's not like in chronological order the way we have it, but exactly the prophets had kind of stopped. There wasn't a lot going on. Israel was occupied first by Greece, then by Rome, and so there's like foreign people running things. I mean, some of it was okay, but it wasn't great. I mean, there's a term people use, the 400 silent years, where they'd had a lot of stuff happening. Some of it was good, some of it was bad, but like God was doing things. And then all of a sudden, and like all these people had prophesied stuff that like hadn't exactly happened yet. And then, you know, there was the Maccabean revolt where like, you know, that was a moment like Hanukkah's happening right now. And that's to reference that, you know, that... You know, they had had some victories and, you know, but it still wasn't looking great and things were, it would be a dark time, right? And uh, <laughs> my note says they were not killing it. So I don't know. That's how deep my notes are. Okay, Isaiah 9-2. This is kind of the, one of the Christmas scriptures we always read. Uh, the, oh, yeah, click the, click the X thing. Yeah, okay, now do it. Yes, okay. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And that was written 
a while ago at this point, you know, and they were living in that darkness. And then also we just read Malachi 3.1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So like they were in this weird spot where, you know, they could have said, I would have said, we might have said, I believe all this. I'm just not really seeing it much, you know, like I'm not. I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, is it, you know, maybe I was crazy to believe. I don't know what's, you know, there's like a lot of that going on. And when you see, you see in God's word promises of things and you live kind of in a world where the opposite is happening, you can start to develop a kind of dissonance. That would be the musical term maybe, where these things don't seem the same. And you might have thought, and I might have thought, or there might have been bad days. You might have had good days where you're like, yeah, God's good. And it's going to happen. And then it's like, surely this isn't going to, you know. But then the main thing I would think about is, if you were John the Baptist's dad, he's named Zechariah, we're about to look at his story, and you, heard, and you knew this stuff, Malachi, I will send a messenger who will prepare the way before me, I doubt you would be thinking, well, that's going to happen today when he got up to go do his duties, you know, like that sounds like the kind of thing that's going to happen today, you know. But if you look at this, Luke 1, starting in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. So they're good people, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So like, they're really good, right? But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. <laughs> Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, because he served in the temple and all, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense, which was like an honor, you know? And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So he's in there by himself, and everybody else is praying outside. He's burning incense before the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled <laughs> and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said, cool, I was really hoping that would happen today when I was... <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my, my wife is um, well along in years. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> didn't want the angel to tell his wife, like, you called you old, you know. <laughs> so she's well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news, tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which, shall come tr which will come true, at their appointed time. They will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but was unable to speak. So they were like, something happened, but we don't know what it is. And so here's the thing. You know, he's going about his day. He's 
you know, a really good guy. I don't know what his emotional state was regarding the child thing, but they'd obviously been bothered about it enough to pray. I mean, do we pray for things? I pray for things in my life. And then he'd given up, maybe. I would say maybe. At least probably. Like, it's like not going to happen for me now. Like, we're past that phase, right? In human terms, we're over that, you know. I'm old. She's well along in years, and that's not going to happen. You know, it wasn't happening when it should have happened, and it certainly can't happen now. And then an angel shows up and says, guess what's going to happen? That thing you really wanted. It's like too good to be true, right? And he doesn't exactly believe him, you know. I mean, he comes along, but it's so unlikely. It seems so random, and it seems, you know, you would think. This is how we imagine things. Well, if I saw an angel tell me I would believe it, you might. I'm just saying, you know, don't give yourself too much credit, you know, because if God showed up and told you like, hey, you know that thing that you gave up on that you that you thought that you put all of your heart and soul into and that you closed that door because it was over, I'm opening it back up and I'm going to fulfill it all. And it's actually going to be all this really great stuff and even matter to all these other people. And you're like, I can't handle that right now. How am I? I can't even tell my wife. That. How am I sure? You know, and the angel, you know, so he ends up not being able to talk. Right. But then it keeps going. Uh, Mary, Jesus' mom, finds out she's also going to be having a baby. Verse 26, also Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So she gets pregnant, right? And so that's going on. Like Just like God said, it will happen. So I skipped some of that. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, same angel, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, keyword, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Not married yet. A descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Again, angels showing up, which is noteworthy. And, you know, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'm like, wow, cool. That's nice. 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words <laughs> and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And I was like, oh, okay. I know. Where is this going? You know what I mean? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary doesn't say, how do I know what you're saying? She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Which is a practical question. Not, I don't, I don't believe you. Not saying, how do I know that this, you know, it's like, how does this work? You know, there's mechanical things. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, which this is abnormal. Just, this is like a one-off. So when an angel tells you this is going to happen, and you're like, that's not ever a happening thing. See how hard that might be to believe, you know. You're like, I mean, you're angelly and all, but <laughs> what you're describing seems pretty far-fetched, okay? To my ears, maybe, you know, not to the Lord's plan or to his ears. You follow what I mean? I'm trying to put us into her mind a little. The Holy Spirit, and he will most high, so that the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, which she didn't know about, maybe, you know. And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month is in her sixth month. Like she's, already ha- like she's already ahead of you, you know. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. 
These guys are like, why do I have to keep convincing you guys? God said it. So when God says things, it happens. And we're like, yeah, but how do I know? He's like, because God said it. I don't, this is a strange, you know, conversation. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary does a little better. She has a little bit of concern, but then she, you know, she comes around. But she doesn't end up silent. She trusts him and says, okay, you know. But it's complicated because an angel just told you you're going to have a kid and you're not married yet. You're pledged to be married to a guy. And this looks bad in everything. And it looked very bad then. And there's, in other gospels, like, the angel has to come to Joseph to be like, no, it's cool. Because he's like, I don't know, you know, like, this is a little, you know. So, um, but Mary trusts the Lord, and the Lord is doing this thing, and we know it works out, so I'm going to keep moving on. So Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, right, her cousin, who's much older. Verse 39, at the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house, remember, he can't talk, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt. Or the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the angel had said, remember, before he was even born. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is he, she who believed the Lord's promises to her, would he would fulfill them. Promises, like I said, I'll do this. I'm going to do it. I haven't done it yet, but I said I would. This kind of thing. And these are babies now. You know what I mean? I know sometimes we struggle with this stuff in our culture, but these are babies, not born yet, who are filled with the Holy Spirit and have been decreed by... I mean, so just you can fill in the blanks with that regarding if you want to say somebody's not a, a person. They're a person, all right? You know? But then we're going to jump forward. Verse 57. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby... She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. So they're like, yay, look, it happened. You know, that thing we had all, you know, so everybody's happy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, which was the custom, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, 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 he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives that has that name. But remember, the angel said, his name is John. So, he, and so they made... There was no one that has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe throughout the whole hill country of Judea. People were, asked, were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And this is where the reading came from that they read earlier, was Zechariah finally able to talk again, praying over his son. And she read this, you know, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets long ago. Now pause. Has any of that happened yet exactly? You see what I'm saying? It started. Things have, the ball is rolling, but this hasn't accomplished itself yet. But he's, he's on to it now. He's caught it. God is coming through on this stuff. But you might have been sitting there and be like, all right, dude, I mean, 
I know an angel. I mean, this is this is obviously something's happening. But remember, that just up here, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord hand was with him. It's like I obviously see God's doing something, but you're getting a little extreme now. You know, like you see what I'm saying? It's hard to see because God is doing from a human perspective now unexpected things. God has declared these things long ago, and as people's eyes are opening to what God's doing, they're like, "Oh, now I can see it." And you remember going through the Gospel of Mark just now, how so often people are like, you, you, might, you seem like God or the Messiah that we've been waiting on, but you keep doing things that I don't expect that guy to do. So I'm confused. You know, in one hand, yes. In another hand, why did you do that then? You know, it was confounding what they were, you know, it seems unexpected. God does things that are hard to believe. You know, there's times we think we're like, all right, I got God figured out. Sometimes people say, like, putting God in a box, you know, I got it figured out. This is how God does things. And then God does something that's over there. And you're like, well, that's, that can't be God. And he's like, what? You know, why are you in charge? You know, this kind of thing. And we end up missing things that God does. And then the other thing is that God has his own timing. Remember, he said in these scriptures that he's, these are going to be fulfilled in his time. He doesn't have our time. He, does not, I'll say, he doesn't have my time. How about I'll say that, you know? God does not operate on my time, and I have a sense of time, and I'm like, all right, it's time to go, and it's not. So, this is the point I wanted to make, is these people, we know the end of this story, or at least the end of the Bible, like Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and the whole thing, and He's, you know, we know it all. So it's easy for us to read this and just go, oh, this is the backstory or, you know, the prequel or something like that, you know, because we already know what happens, you know, and so you kind of jump to that. These people didn't know. They're like living it out the same way we live out our lives in the same world that we live our lives out within. And God is still operating in our world and we're interacting with him just like they were or are, you know. And so you can see from this that God is trustworthy, God is good, God is doing things, and we're the ones playing catch-up so often. You know, at least I'll speak for myself, and I think it's true for everybody else. Because if you look at the story and say, what does it look like at this point? At this point in the story, angels have shown up to people and told them things that are going to happen. And initially, they had a hard time, like, believing it, or being at least, you know, eh... You know, how, though, you know? Or Zechariah's like, I don't think this, you know, come on, dude. Like, I can't even bring this up to my wife unless you promise me somehow. And he's like, I just said it. And then she's like, how is this going to be? So there's at least some, like, dissonance already from that. But then, even though it's happening, I could see them. Then there's a, there's a verse where, like, later in Luke where the, the, the shepherds get told by angels. They show up. They're worshiping. And she says, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And I can see how that would happen. You're like... It seems like everything God is saying is coming true is coming true, and that makes sense when we look back on it 2,000 years from the future, but it's harder for us to do this in our own lives. We should learn from the story that it shouldn't be, or we can get you know, progress from that, because it, it doesn't look like any of this stuff is exactly happening yet. Like the stuff Zechariah is declaring, he has raised up a horde of salvation for us in the, in the house of his servant David. Maybe he knows Mary's pregnant. Maybe he heard the story about the angel. I don't know. You know, it doesn't say. And the point is, Jesus hasn't even been born yet. But, he, but God has raised up the horn of salvation for us. You know, or even the present tense, which I don't know the Hebrew of all this, but 
Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, not will see. So there's this kind of way that God does things. And there's this, like, idea. We're, we know we're living in a dark time, like they were. I have a dark things in my life. Some of us are living in more or less darkness because of circumstances that other people put us into. Whatever, you know. In this world, you will have tribulation. There's going to be bad stuff that we're going to all encounter. Some of us are encountering more of it now. Some of us less. That's just life, though. But we all know what it's like to encounter dark things. We've been in dark places. I'm there at times. And there's this kind of prayer that I get into, maybe you, like, God, get us out of this. You know, and you see this in the, the something like, how long, oh, Lord? Like, how long is this going to take? You know, it's okay to express that. We should express that. That's called being honest. Like, I want, like, I want this to end. I'm not like, this is great. I'm just doing fine. Like, we, sometimes um, we pretend like we're fine so that we don't come off weird to people or something. I mentioned some of that last week. You know, like, no, I'm great, you know. <laughs> or you just say good or whatever, you know. And I'm not saying we need to wallow in things, but I am saying that um, uh, it's okay to lay before God how long, right? And God says, I hear you, and I'm coming. And you see this in that biblical story laid out. But there was 400 years of silence. That's a long time that you could forget. Or maybe at least, I don't know, guys, we might have got this one wrong. Something like that. You see, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think like that, except for the fact that it's God who said these things. And if he's God, he doesn't talk like everybody else. You know, let God be true and every man a liar, this whole thing. Because God says, I'm coming, I'm going to do this. And you're like, yes, I know. And then he sends two babies to do it. <laughs> These are pretty grand things. And he's like, I got gotcha. you. There's babies coming to take care of this. You're like, babies? <laughs> That's your plan is babies? You know, I can almost see God like they're going to, you know, he's like, talk. I don't know. I don't know how this works, but like, you know. Check out this plan. Look what I'm about to do. And I could see some, like, Gabriel being like, what am I going to go tell these people? I thought you were going to, like, do some stuff, you know. And so here's the whole thing. Often, by looking for the end, we miss the beginning. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is the whole thing right here. Often, by longing for the end of what God is going to do, we miss what he's doing right now, okay? And that's what we need to hear in the noticing Jesus, okay? Because we don't want to only be longing for the end. It's important. The end is obviously the biggest important thing. But what is he doing now to lead to that? And also, what is he doing now to enter in? And this is the picture we see with this Christmas story. Jason Upton was telling a story of being on a spiritual retreat with a with some other people, and he was saying how the priest that was leading it had said something about Jesus or the return of the Lord, which is obviously the end of history, the most important thing that all is leading up to, you know. And he's like, we're all going to, it says, everyone will see his coming. You know, it's like, we're not going to miss that one, you know. He goes, but what we might miss is God's next coming in our lives. And I'm not saying Jesus is returning more than once. He is returning once at the end, but the, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in, the, in our midst right now, in the face that like, the, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ, and what he's doing when Jesus says, my helper is coming among you, there's times where the Holy Spirit comes among us 
and it's Jesus coming, and you can miss that. Or in the Bible where it's like Jesus and how we represent him to each other, even on an individual basis. Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these among me, you did it unto me. Like, so in a way, the least among us are Jesus in our midst, and you can miss that. Or even like the body of Christ, which we looked at in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians, which we are when we are together. You can't do it by yourself. We're part of it. But when we come together, we represent Jesus in this world, both to ourselves and to the world. Like we have a mission that he sent us on, that we need the Holy Spirit. All of these things are ways that we encounter Jesus now. And we can miss that if we're only looking for the end. And it also works out, obviously, you understand, in simpler ways in our lives. So what is Jesus doing in your life now? Justin, you guys can come on up here. It's not that we know we're not there yet. We know we're not there yet. Just kind of like in this story, at this point, they weren't there yet. Jesus wasn't even born yet. He was conceived, and the babies had testified the, the Holy Spirit had come. And, you know, but Jesus hadn't even been born. You know, I don't even know at this point if, I mean, they're, they're like they have to make this trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of the, the taxation and all. We all know the story, but like there's a lot of work that still has to happen. You know, it may not feel like, I can think of Mary being very pregnant and, you know, the story like she's riding on the donkey and then like Joseph is like leading them through these, yeah, through these like windings, um, whatever. I mean, I don't know if you, some of y'all had kids and you've been husbands of people with kids, having kids and. I can imagine being on a donkey going through this kind of thing wasn't exactly fun the whole time. And I could see some parts of it, her being like, does it have to be like this? Couldn't you just do some of that God stuff and we would be better, right? He's like, no, I'm sending a baby and you're going to carry the baby. Like, I mean, that's an honor and all, but like, seriously, like, I'm sure there were some moments on the donkey where she's throwing up and stuff. And she was like, I don't understand why you're doing it this way. And it's okay for us to feel the same way, but the trust has to still be there. You don't have to understand everything, but you do need to trust Him. God is entering into our situation like Jesus as a baby, the least. It makes no sense from, a, from my human mind. It's like, I don't understand why you don't just show up, you know? But he doesn't just show up. He shows up the way you show up, which is as a baby. God is entering into our situation to bring us out. We say, how long do I have to be in this bad situation? He's like, I'm going to take you out of it. And you're like, amen. Can we go now? And he's like, I'm coming into it with you. I'm going to be among it with you. And through that, I'm going to take you out. And that's what you see Jesus doing. And it's kind of a pattern you see when Moses encounters God all those months ago when we were reading that, he says, Moses, you're going to deliver these people. They're in slavery. Slavery. This is bad. And he's like, but I'm going to send you with my spirit within them, and you're going to lead them out. And then Moses starts doing all that, and everything gets worse. Remember? Everything gets worse. And God's not doing, like, lightweight stuff. He's like, we're going to declare this, and then the, 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 the river turns to blood or darkness. And the hail. like, They're prophesying powerful, like crazy God stuff, and all of it's happening, and it's still making everything worse. So it has nothing to do with like the power or the power level or something like that. You know, 
These are human beings acting on behalf of God, and God is entering into the slavery with them to bring them out. Jesus is entering into the darkness, and the, the <laughs> he's ending the silent phase, and he's ending it in the most unusual way. And we need to take time to notice where God is entering into our lives and not miss it by only longing for the end. Because noticing now is the way to the end. They're not unrelated. They are the same thing. And we can hold on to all this because Jesus did enter in. Jesus did come as a baby. Jesus did come and do those things that we were just reading in the Gospel of Mark as he led up to his, again, unexpected, even though he kept telling everybody, unexpected death on the cross, which brought the salvation to humanity. And the night before he did this, he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he told them to take it and eat it. Eat it where it actually becomes a part of you. This action of taking the body and blood of Jesus as a symbol of our salvation. And he did this, and we have this as a sign, he says, as a sign till he returns to remember that he does follow through with his promises. And it's especially important when you don't feel like it, right? Because I don't always feel like it, you know? I know all of us, we don't always feel like it, but he's good. And we have this as a sign. Now, here's what we're going to do. I need four youth to come up here to help serve. I'm going to bless this. Lord, bless And we're going to, you're going to come forward, and we have this. The way we do this is by uh, the method we call intinction, which is you take a piece of the bread, and you dip it into the cup, and then you eat it. And we also have, because of the kindness of some of the members of our church, we have gluten-free Jesus as well, because we have some people that... <laughs> so if you need that, that's right here in this bowl. This bowl, I'm going to hold it higher. This is the gluten-free Jesus, so... And then we take whatever's left of this and we eat it on our table because it's the Lord's Supper. So you come forward while they sing this song and take the Lord's Supper. And then if you need prayer, we're going to have our prayer team in the back corner. They'll pray for you. And then really quick, I'm going to make one more announcement because I'm going to pray to bless this, bless the food, and then that's going to be the conclusion once we're done. But if you're a parent, the children... On Christmas Eve, we're going to be doing a presentation here. and They're going to be practicing for that during part of our lunch. So we're going to try to let the kids that are involved in that go eat first, if possible. So if you know your kids are in that, try to get through everything and go get your kids and get them food quick so that we can come back in. And then here's the other thing. If you are not a part of that, like me, like I'm not in the Christmas thing, we're going to try to stay outside or across the hall or the tables outside so that they can practice in here. Okay, like normally we eat in here, but this time we're going to eat out there and over and we have plenty of other space. So... Father, I pray that you would let this tangible representation of your body and blood in our midst bind us together as the body of Christ, Lord, and let us take it in and hear what you speak to us in the truth of who you are, the strength of your salvation, and Lord, I pray that we would believe you when you speak, and we pray that you would bless this time of communion together. We pray that you would bless this place that we can put our trust back in you 
And I pray you bless this food and this lunch that we have together, Lord, to be a time of great fellowship and being the body of Christ to each other and together. In Jesus' name, amen.